0: Flashback very quickly to when you were in college. You went to Yale and you majored in history. Did you know what you were going to do with that degree when you graduated?
1: Of course. <laughs> no, I did not see the future. Liberal arts to me was something that I was interested in, and I'm glad that I was able to pursue that and to study history. But what I did see, whether or not it was teammates ahead of me or People that were a year or two or three ahead of me, the path that they had taken, what was accessible to them was, in many cases, things like a lot of people went into jobs like investment banking, or they went into jobs like consulting. Some went down the law school path. Some went to the medical school path. Some had entry-level positions of marketing or selling. And I think I picked up during school that getting into investment banking was not so much I wanted to become an investment banker, whatever that meant back then in college, but it was, it's a good place to start your career. It's a good place to have a rigorous two years of working hard, learning what it means to be a professional or changing your lifestyle, getting up early and working long hours. And for me, I had run my own business in college, which was kind of an entrepreneurial pursuit there. I had done a internship in the Silicon Valley actually in Cupertino around the corner from Apple with a a software company that did, ironically enough, software to help you manage your Rolodex, which over time became a very clear connection to LinkedIn. And I was like a marketing intern or I was just doing projects for the founder. And so the point there was, did I know exactly what I was going to do? No, but I knew that going to a place like an investment bank, I was like, okay, you're going to work really hard. And it may be very challenging work It's certainly very different than what it's like in college. And it happened to be that I worked for a firm that did mergers and acquisitions for companies in the technology space. And so I had connections to the technology space. I'd worked for a software company, which was great. And I was actually just ready to apply myself. And that's the thing that I would say is, especially for new grads, is whether it's a 2 years or two- or three-year stint, you're not always going to love everything you're doing. But there is a lot to be learned about yourself, about skills, about industries, about companies. And you know what? It's going to hurt sometimes or it's going to maybe not feel as good. And so I think having the patience, and this is something that I think I see sometimes a little less of, or kind of this, hey, I want to be on this fast track, or I have a little bit of impatience about waiting to get to a certain place. And my point is not, hey... You should be miserable in your first job. But it's realization that those things are hard. And entry-level positions are usually pretty rigorous. But the ones, a lot of people I know who've done them, they're learning so much through that process. And even when it hurts, even when it's not enjoyable, when you look back, you will have grown. You have developed skills. You have pushed yourself. You would have proven your grit, and yes that word is pretty popular these days and then your ability to have commitment to something for two or three years that means a lot to someone like myself when i look at candidates i look very differently at someone who's hey they have a track record they have a level of commitment and quote-unquote loyalty they're not bouncing around every six months to new jobs and look i get it it's a little hard sometimes to find your groove but also You can have drive and be patient in the same way, right? Which is, you're not going to make it to the top of the organization in the first three years of college. And that's okay. But are you going to meet people? Are you going to start learning things and skills? Are you going to learn from mistakes? You know, it's funny. I remember when I brought my daughter to kindergarten and there was a big sign that said, mistakes are magic. I wish they brought that sign out for people just starting their career. Right? Because I think there's that sense of like, oh my God, you have to be on the perfect path, or you can't be in a a mindset of mistakes, stay away from them. You'll never succeed if you make a mistake.
0: That's gonna be
1: anything farther from the truth. Scott, you
0: are teeing up one of my final questions here. I wanna thank you for that because here (laughs) we go. Can you share a time in your own professional life when you struggled? Maybe you even failed at something. And I like to think of failure not as a scarlet letter, but rather as a badge of honor. Because to your point, that is how we learn. That is how we develop resilience, the ability to bounce back. And my goodness, aren't we all experiencing right now a huge challenge in our lives with This pandemic. And if you are the kind of person that just collapses and wants to hide in the corner, that's not a formula for success. And frankly, I mean this very seriously, you need to reach out on an app like Ginger to get some help because we all need to find those ways to bounce back. And sometimes it's our friends, sometimes it's professionals. But the most important thing is, Scott, with respect to a time in your professional life, when you struggled is how you persevered. And if there was a lesson that you learned in the process,
1: how much time do you have? (laughs) I could give you countless examples. And I think it's important to say that because sure, I've been able to reach a certain success, both in the company I work for and the position that I'm in. And I'm severely grateful for that. That has nothing to do with the amount of mistakes or the challenges I've faced. And I don't mean challenges that I've always overcome or powered through, if you will. Be honest, I have challenges and I make mistakes still on a weekly basis. And whether or not it's how I respond to something or how I show up, and those are things that trying to be a more compassionate leader or more patient leader, that's something that is kind of now far into my career. I think that there's trying to find one that's emblematic or super helpful. I mean, I remember I helped start a company. It was probably like within the first 10 years of my career. And I helped start a company and then was part of that. And I actually got laid off from that company after 9-11. And it was a very difficult time in so many ways. And what I did was, in my search for my new opportunity, I kind of just, I was contacted by one of the companies in the space that that company was. And so they kind of knew me and they knew the company I'd worked with. And so my experience was directly valuable to them. I learned something in every role that I've ever had. But I think if I look back, I think I was probably just too quick to kind of jump onto the next thing. I wasn't more patient in terms of finding the right fit or the right opportunity for myself. And again, that doesn't mean that that company wasn't fine or I'm, I was grateful to actually have that opportunity. But I w- when I reflect back, it was okay. And you know, I had personal circumstances at the time, but I think the part of it is, How do you try to ensure or find a way to separate your thoughts and intellectually what you're pursuing from the emotions that you have? And that is something that is such a common theme, whether or not it's how do you show up in business in a way that you're able to manage and harness. I mean, it's great to have emotion. It's great to have passion. It's great to have excitement. It's great to have and be able to inspire and to be inspired. But if you let things bring stress and anxiety to you or if that you react emotionally with a negative lens to it, you're likely not going to be at your best, whether or not it's picking the opportunity that's best for you or showing up in a meeting or kind of responding to someone or a situation that's not going your way or what you were hoping it would be. And so maybe that's more of a broader theme about how do you not be devoid of emotions, but try to try to separate those things and realize and keep perspective that, you know what, We're going to live to to fight another day. It's going to be okay. And you don't, don't let it overcome you.
0: Love it. And actually, because I've had 12 years of therapy myself, let me, (laughs) let me just share some of what I have learned. And I may throw around some fancy terms here. I don't know if, if they'll come to me, but, and that is you don't want to be making a decision when you are feeling strong emotion. And I think to Scott's point, when he was let go from the company that he was working at around 9 11, he probably, in a moment of high anxiety, of being unemployed, took a job that had he sat with his emotions, with that anxiety until they passed, and they do pass so that your uh, prefrontal cortex, part of your brain, the uh, captain of the ship, so to speak, is able to make a thoughtful, strategic decision. He may not have taken that job. I'm guessing you don't regret it, but your lessons learned, learned, is, learned is to sit with that emotion, sit with the anxiety, wait until the anxiety passes or settles enough that you can make a really thoughtful, strategic decision.
1: And you know what, what I'd add to it? And it's back to your network. Leverage your network use your network, help get perspective by tapping into your network, which requires you to do the work to establish that. Right, And again, whether or not it's Aunt Jane or Uncle Jack that you may not have known as much growing up, or maybe you did. And the people that care about you, the people that know you, and the people who are ready and willing to invest in you, and those that network and those people, that number will grow over time. And you have that ability to influence that. But using that, and I have this other concept, which I know we're we're wrapping up, but it's the personal board of advisors, right? Finding people and whether or not those are mentors or whether or not those are people that you can really tap into and say, hey, I would really appreciate if every couple of months or every six months, whatever it is, we could have a conversation and I could share a little bit about what's going on with me. I would love to hear what's going on with you and your family or what's going on with you or if I could be of service or maybe I could do a project for you. But tapping into people and having people that you go to and say, hey, you know what? I'm facing this issue or I'm faced with this question. And I would really value your opinion. A lot of people love hearing that. I love, love hearing, hearing that. Yeah. Right. Because they like hearing that more than they say, hey, I need a job. Can you either hire me or help me get a job versus, you know what? I'm looking at something. I'm evaluating something that's complex or it's challenging. I would really value your opinion. Use those words. And I think you will hear a lot more people saying, you know what? I will make some time. It's an approach that's worked well for me.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode.